0: Hello and welcome to the Four Bronx Community Podcast. My name is Laura Levine Pinedo and I am the founder and the director of the Four Bronx Project. My journey has led me to such amazing neighbors with such interesting stories and I am ready to share them with you. I invite you to join us as we meet members of our community such as small business owners and so much more. Let's support local and let's have a cup of tea together and chat about all things community. (laughs) you <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the 4Bronx Community Podcast. Today we are joined by Miguel Matos. Hey Miguel.
1: Hi Laura. How are you? Doing pretty good.
0: <laughs> I'm doing bad? fine as well. Thanks for asking. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so Miguel Matos, um, you own a business here in the Van Cortlandt Village section, Kingsbridge section of our community, correct?
1: Yep. I'm up on Sedwick Avenue off of Van Cortlandt.
0: Where exactly on Sedwick? Uh,
1: 3898 Sedwick Avenue. It's right across the street from the supermarket. Also, across the street from like a child's dental facility.
0: I'd say it's like Office. in the intersection of Van Cortlandt Avenue West Stevenson and Stevenson Place and Sedgwick, yes. right by PS95.
1: Yes, which is a tiny block.
0: Right. So let's let's go. So Miguel Matos is a local small business owner in the North Bronx. Graduating from Mercy College in 2004, he began his career during his junior year as an accounting assistant working under CPAs and legal executive in the film and media industry until opening his first tax office in 2016 on Webster Avenue. What started as a side hustle has grown to be his main business, along with short adventures of being a restaurant owner and now as a small business specialist with the Bronx. Chamber of Commerce, advising and being a friend of to hundreds of businesses and individuals across this entire borough of the Bronx. So, I love it! Um, so, Miguel, first of all, like, so anyone listening in our area, how far do you go? Do you, do you do taxes, like, virtually accounting, like...
1: Since COVID, it has developed that way. Okay. It's been a lot of virtual remote work, so oh, okay. I'm willing to work with anyone... In all 50 states, actually, I have clients spread out across the Northeast, as well as one or two based out of California. Okay. Uh, all because everyone works remotely and people have been migrating about. So a lot of people that started with me here in New York have moved out to other states and they just stuck with me.
0: Because, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but for me, when I think of accounting, I'm like, dun, dun, dun. Like, I walk into an office, there's like a guy there, or a woman there with this like machine and the paper rolling all over the floor you owe this you owe that taxes doing your taxes can be a very scary thing right?
1: Uh, Yes it can be intimidating for the uninitiated
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, now what do you is there like a specialty you deal with or anything pertaining to accounting?
1: Um I started off mainly with individuals, so a lot of my bulk is individuals, but I do a lot of small businesses and I do a lot of daily accounting and bookkeeping for those small businesses. That's what keeps me busy all year long. So I'm not a seasonal business, I actually do this Monday through Friday. Every day I'm talking about taxes, whether it's August, April, May, October, and December. I'm always talking about taxes and accounting. And you
0: love it. You have to love it.
1: Yes, I I love it at this point. It's like my first language.
0: So why did you start this?
1: So honestly, when I was young and in college, didn't know what I wanted to major in, but I knew I loved money because I came from the Bronx, being poor, being from a single-parent household, not having those things that I wanted. My mother, I saw her work hard, and her hard work paid dollars, and I knew that that was like the key to freedom. And independence and my mother always instilled that in me hey work hard that way you don't have to struggle through life or ask people for anything she was a very proud woman my mother so she instilled that in me and ever since then you know I knew that money was the key to independence so therefore when I would hit college and I didn't know what I wanted to major in hey, hello I majored in finance and economics
0: And you just—you have to have a passion for it, and you love it.
1: Yeah, uh, as a kid, I wanted to be a uh, well. During college, in my twenties, I wanted to be a Wall Street broker. Uh huh. But then I graduated the year of the subprime mortgage collapse. Uh huh. Uh, So that left a lot of those type of jobs, you know, dried up. Everyone was getting being fired or let go in the finance. I found my first position as a accounting assistant started there as an intern and they just kept me on for a few years and I stayed in the advertising industry then I moved on to the film and media industry which was great worked with a lot of independent uh, artists mm-hmm. uh, like acting artists producers independent people in film uh, and then went on on my own.
0: So the fiscal year is coming to an end right mm-hmm. Where wrapping it up, is there any advice to people before the year ends, like to any to get any tax breaks or any you know what I'm trying to say, yeah, right? I, it it not...
1: depends on your situation because everybody, everyone's situation is different so I absolutely tell everyone to evaluate their situation now so they can act before the year is over because it's always good to be proactive instead of reactive if, you, if you're not speaking with your accountant now then there's nothing they can do. They're just reporting what happened instead of what could have been done. Right. So it's always better to have a proactive approach, make sure you're contributing to those retirement accounts, deferring tax uh, liability as much as you can so you feel it's going to be in a lower bracket or just making smart money moves.
0: Right. So um, I want to speak a little bit about business so let's just say i'm someone who wants to start a small business right can you walk us through the steps that we need to take to become an established small business you know money wise
1: so there's so many aspects but just already decided what you want to do in your business
0: so i want to let's just say i want to start laura's deli okay let's just say my business laura's deli business plan everything but i need i come to you for advice miguel how do i start this deli
1: Okay, well, the first thing you're going to need is some money Because deli and the regulations around New York You can't open a deli out of your apartment So Well, there need-
0: goes that No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding <laughs> So you're
1: going to need to find a location some Find some financing And find someone who's going to help you uh, A lot of times, honestly, it's going to take your own financing I do get a lot of those people that say Hey, I want to open up a deli And I have a great business plan Can I go to the bank with this? Probably not. The bank is going to want to see some skin in the game, your own investment capital on top of that solid business plan that you have. So I recommend anyone that wants to be an entrepreneur, start off on their own. If they're going to need a brick-and-mortar location, is have some savings on the side and prepare yourself to put some financial skin in the game of any business.
0: So let's say the rent is, just say, $5,000, right, for this business. Now, I know... Like, how much should we have saved? Like, I mean, we obviously need savings to start a business, but, like, you know, like personal finance? Yeah. What would you say business-wise? Like have
1: we- I would say it, it depends on the business as well, but any reasonable uh, landlord is going to want to see at least six year, six months to a year's worth of rent payments that you have in the bank even after you've already given that deposit first month's rent. They're going to want to see that you're able to stay open at least six months without any income, right? Right. Because a lot of locations require a demolition on the inside or re or remodelization. A lot of places you cannot just go into and start that first day. So it's going to take two or three months. Get your permits in order. Get your grill in order. Your, your deli right or a hair
0: salon or whatever people want to yeah
1: yeah exactly very few places are ready for you to walk into Um, and if you can find a space that's honestly turnkey no not turnkey but broken down Mm -hmm. uh, that may be the best deal you can get because you're going to go get a good price that's the only way I see nowadays to find a good price on commercial rent is find a place that's broken down invest some money into it remodel it a little and then you and then you know make use of it with that you're just gonna your advantage is to lock down a long-term lease maybe if you find a great space that you plan to put in 50 60k in remodelization cost into it you're gonna want to have at least 10 year lease right because if you're dumping a significant amount of investment capital to remodelize that revitalize that space you're going to want to have that space locked down for 20 years not just give it up after 10 years does a elaborate. 20
0: year lease exist
1: yes yes it does exist they but do. a restaurant i used to own uh probably big like space like this and it was two floors um was 2500 a month and we had a 25 year a 25 year lease on it wow so Imagine that space in 20 years. Uh, my co owner had put maybe 250000 into remodeling it, but before that, it was you could not function in that space. What kind of restaurant was it? Uh, he is French, so it was French with Latin infusion. It was okay. called Lego at the time. What was it called? Lego. 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 Okay. Lego, which is uh, our thing, it's, which is slang uh-huh. French for our thing.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Where was it? In the Bronx? It was in Hamilton Place on 147th and Amsterdam Avenue. Okay. Um, so he actually came to me as a client, as a tax and bookkeeping client. He was a musical musician. Uh, he tra- He's a composer. He travels across Switzerland, across uh, Germany as well. He's widely known out there. Um, his compositions are also performed in the Philadelphia Orchestra or Philharmonic, whatnot. One of my very interesting clients. I have many interesting clients. But hey, him and I decided to become business partners for a little while. Uh, I went into the restaurant with him, managed day-to-day operations. Um, but at the end of the day, it just wasn't. I wasn't able to turn, around, turn it around into a profit. Right. It was a huge learning experience for me. Um, managing it day-to-day, but I was not the cook because I am not a cook. Right. Um, But just overseeing it, stopping by, looking at the books, and... um,
0: It's tough. It's It's tough. It's having a business. I think people have this uh, perception that owning a business is like fantasy and everyone is wealthy that owns a business, and I think we both know that that's not the case, right?
1: Absolutely not the case. A lot of business owners are struggling. The average income for a business owner is under $40,000. Wow. Net profit that you're actually paying taxes on as a business owner. So man, there's a lot of W2 employees that probably make 90 a hundred grand looking at a business I'm like wow I wish I was in your shoes you probably own a nice restaurant or another business you seem like you're always fun playing and you have flexibility of time but that's a trade off at the end of the day you're probably not break, bringing home that much money
0: right you just don't know what you're gonna make you know yes yeah I just wanted to make a point of that because I think people have this like you know
1: I tell everyone go into a business that fits your lifestyle if you the if that business does not fit your lifestyle, let's say you do have a let's say you're a single mom, two or three kids, it's difficult because a business is going to want a lot of hours from you in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless you're able to bring those two together, family,
0: Like starting a daycare or like, like that, yes. that's what I
1: would recommend because you know it it brings your, it brings your whole life picture uh, in, under one thought process. In your
0: opinion, what is the most lucrative business out there? It's not definitely not restaurants.
1: Uh, it, it could, could be, be day restaurants. Daycare. No?
0: Uh,
1: a lot of people love daycares right now. Well, the state does because New York City, New York State is a daycare desert. There's a lot of kids. Right. Uh, there's a lot of subsidies out there provided by the government for daycares and daycare facilities. I take advantage of them with my clients. I have a two daycare clients, so I love those. They, they love me because uh, they, they get money. Um, but, lucrative business. Hmm it's tough to lock down just one right I'd say anything in technology where you could make money while you sleep or like put into an algorithm build a nice website that just goes off automation right if you can automate any type of your business it's definitely going to have a high return value um the lower ends are restaurants across the industry they see generally about 10% of return when they are if successful. they're lucky if they're lucky yeah. right On because the like the cost 10%. of things a lot of overhead yeah. to restaurants that people huge don't get huge overhead is, it's greatly labor human intensive I,
0: I don't think but people understand I'm sorry to cut you off businesses have to pay a private company for even garbage removal. Yes.
1: yes. P-
0: I, people don't understand this. Yes. Right? I mean, it's just like if we start a list of all Car- the business expenses.
1: services are like $500 a month. Maybe we're going to start a carding card- business. To, that's <laughs> we might get some trouble there. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, carding businesses start at 500 a month so it doesn't matter if you have a 1,000 square foot business or a 2,000 square foot business that garbage has to be paid for. Yeah. Your utilities are on a higher rate because it's commercial rates. Right. So anyone that says, hey, I paid $200 a month in electricity, maybe that business pays roughly about the same per square footage. No, no, no. Their rate is a little higher. Right. Because they're operating off of a commercial establishment.
0: So when we start this business, we have to assume that we're not going to turn a profit the first year, correct?
1: Um, I, I'd say in most cases then not, depending on where you start and how your business flows, and then it's a sizable investment, you are not going to be in the green. Right. I guess if you look at it in, 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 as a, a cumulative, but if you look at it on a month-to-month basis, you plan to be profitable. At every day that you're operating, it can be a successful business. Right. Don't plan for failure, plan for profitability.
0: But we have to have we have to continue. be realistic as well and have exactly. and have some savings, you know. Absolutely. You can't start a business and have no savings and it's really tough, right? Yep. You got to be a little bit smart. Yep. I mean, some people do it.
1: Yeah, you you could bootstrap it. You can always do what they call guerrilla marketing, which is go out there and tell people about it, word of mouth is a, and referrals. Are a great marketing strategy that worked best. Um, and like my business was very low to start. You know, all I had to do was pay my license fee, and it's a practice that you can even start from home. To be honest with you, um, but people like offices, right? So I chose to go with an office, um, and then from there you can just—it's—it's it's about you and your marketing how you execute the job and customer service. If people love you, they will share you with their friends.
0: Now I want to get into a little bit um, about Personal finance. Okay. I think that this is not taught in school. Okay. Would you agree with that? The right way,
1: at least when we were in school. Now it's turning around. I've seen the last few ye- the last mm-hmm. few years. A couple of states have made it an initiative where it's embedded into their curriculum. And New York, New York City is coming down the pipeline. Eventually, I'd say within the next one or two years, they'll have financial literacy classes into their curriculum.
0: Well, how old are you? if You mind me asking? I'm forty. Forty. Yes. So I'm thirty three. All right, a little bit younger, but still in the this mm. thing um,
1: when we were kids we were not taught this correct? no absolutely not
0: it's just like good luck it here's your diploma just, it, goodbye it just
1: wasn't a part of the curriculum here's a credit card and I'm like oh credit card
0: free shopping Like I thought it was like a gift card
1: yeah. you don't get into, yeah. into personal finance and entrepreneurship unless you're going into that major in college
0: right mm. and um, so let's get into that a little bit because there might be people that have questions about personal finance would you say the majority of people live paycheck to paycheck in the Bronx in the city?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. No matter what income range you are, whether you're a doctor that makes half a million dollars a year or you're a person that makes $40,000 a year, there are people struggling living paycheck to paycheck. It's all about how you spend those dollars that you make that drives whether you're going to stop that lifestyle of living paycheck to paycheck. It's all about investing and making smart money moves. It just seems with
0: the the rise of inflation and things like that, it's getting even harder, would you say? Absolutely. It's, it's just steady. like, how do you save? How do you invest when you literally cannot make it work? Like, rent is out of control. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't know. Do you have any tips for
1: people? Uh, I, someone asked me this the other day. What was the best way of saving? us? say working harder maybe you can find another way to it's may be difficult for you to save a dollar it may be easier for you to make two dollars right so if you can find another way to make extra income definitely that's the number one driver uh increase your income so in that way you can effectively execute that saving strategy
0: i think those days of like you know one partner working, other partners staying at home, family can function off one income, I think those days are gone.
1: Long gone. Long gone, right? I mean,
0: long, long gone. And that's, it's a struggle because like, you know, let's say a woman like me, right, I'm 33, maybe I want to have a family, right, but at that point, yes, I would have a a child, but I'd be paying
1: for childcare, like I would be working just to pay for the childcare. Me and my wife, Uh, We're actually right now Shout out to your wife Yeah Shout out to my wife I have two beautiful kids A two year old And a four year old And we're in that situation now Where she works uh, Part time Out the home But like half of her income Goes Goes to the babysitter that covers her time while she's working. It's tough. It's really tough out there. Yeah. So she, you know, she does it anyway because it's about quality of life and having her break and maintaining her profession and independence. Right. So you know, it's it's worth it.
0: Yeah. So like, I just feel like, is are we set up? Like, how do we break this? Like, I feel like we're set up to fail sometimes because let's just say the the average you know you see a lot of people's w2s yeah. what is like the average income for somebody
1: the Bronx has a wide range it's uh, wide range uh, but yes, let, let's uh, just say when the Bronx making s- well into the six figures and then other people making twenty thousand dollars for the year
0: well let's just say would 60000 be an average salary yeah I guess you could
1: if you could say that let's
0: okay. say 60 right, right? Yeah, okay so after taxes you're taking home what like 850.
1: No, so let's say you make sixty. Probably right. after taxes, you're probably taking home maybe forty five and change.
0: No, but like so, week weekly breakdown, forty five and change. Let's just say, right? Yeah, forty five. So forty five and change, divided by fifty two weeks. You're making because everyone's
1: tax bracket is... Everyone's different. different, but an
0: individual not married, okay, no.
1: Let's say you're bringing that eight
0: sixty five. All right, eight sixty five times four. This is thirty four sixty. If you're lucky to make sixty thousand in New York City, right? How much is like the average rent?
1: It depends on your on your income household. But I remember a few years ago when I was living on Kingsbridge Avenue uh, on two thirty first Street. Uh huh. My rent there was fourteen hundred a month. And you were living alone. This was a single yes uh, one bedroom apartment
0: alright so now after that we're left with 2,000 like
1: 5 years ago get with so the
0: times like, Miguel it's probably like 3,000 no no I'm kidding probably like well 2, we'll put 1,400 whatever but 2,000 it's more realistic 2,000 2,000 alright so 865 times 4 3460 we make a month right 2,000 we're left with 1,460 Con Edison
1: 200. Minus 200. 200? That's why you need to get another job. We
0: need, <laughs> <laughs> like, need to stay on the hustle. Like, no, yeah. Minus food. I mean, listen, that's like, this is what I mean. So, Everyone's like, living on credit.
1: Yeah, you, uh, you need to invest your money so you can break that cycle. And I may be biased when I say this, but I tell everyone going into entrepreneurship, going into self employment, is the best way to empower yourself financially. And as well as empower yourself uh, for your time. Right. Because then you can mix your lifestyle and what you love to do to create an income. The saying is very true. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So make sure you can make money or try to make money off of the things you love to do.
0: So if we want to get married, right? I know you're not an attorney, but if we want to get married, get that prenup, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I say, that, that is a good idea. I told if you, I'm asking you anything. If you plan to make uh, good money, uh, yeah, I guess you could get a. If you plan to make good money and you want to manage your risk, yes.
0: Yes, man, yes. Risk, risk
1: management strategy, absolutely. The prenup. All
0: right, And if you're in love and want to get married, should they wait until the new year because we're so close to the end of the year for tax purposes?
1: Um, it depends on what your withholdings have been thus far. <laughs> like if we, like if you get married on like New Year's Eve, yeah. when
0: yeah, you do you're your taxes, you're, you're yeah.
1: expected to be married. You're going to be in that married filing joint week So just right. wait
0: until the new year, until right? On the
1: last day. Huh. That way you can update your withholdings for the year. Make sure you tell them you're married. The right, right. Curve. Now, a lot of people change their income during the last three months of the year or change their marriage filings filing status or something big happens and that totally changes what their filing eligibilities are for Mm -hmm. certain deductions by the end of the year and then they could see a huge tax liability or a huge tax refund because let's say you've been single for the first 10 months and then you had a baby at the end you're going to see a huge tax refund because now that baby offers you credits and deductions. Right. Right. But let's say you've been sing- you've been claiming that you had a kid all year and let's say you filed for divorce and you're not claiming that kid or claiming married filing, filing jointly anymore and now you've been underpaying all year and now in the final two months it's been a game changer and now you owe a lot of money.
0: This is like oh, too money. too intelligent for me. I don't know. Yeah. But um, let's speak a little bit about this. The A word. Dun, dun, dun. Audit.
1: Yes. Audit. Oh, yeah. So we get a letter in the mail. You're being audited. Yes.
0: Now, like, the end of the world, I probably pass out on my stoop. Mm. Don't, like, just give someone advice that's getting audited.
1: Um, so, typically, when the individuals get audited here in the Bronx, I deal with a lot of low-income individuals, a lot of people who file for the earned income tax credit with child, um, and they generally just want to see, if you, have the rightful, if you have the right to claim that child and that credit, so the child has to live with you at least 50% of the year, mm-hmm. so they're going to want to see that letter from that school. Everyone, if you guys do your tax and you have kids, you know, oh, I have to get that letter from my account that shows that my kid goes to school in the same zip code where I live because that's how you establish where they live. So that is a very important document when claiming children. Make sure that that school letter, that school, has the same address that you live with your kids, because it has to be the same be, zip code, yes, that's the main thing. The zip code, because imagine if you say, Oh, my kid, I live here in New York and I'm claiming the New York State child tax credit, but my kid just happens to go to school in Jersey like that's questionable, right? But
0: like Riverdale has two zip codes, so that's okay. Oh, no, not
1: at okay. least the same county, yes.
0: Okay, I see.
1: Ideally, I like I say zip code, but something. That's not far fetched like New York, New Jersey. Like,
0: Right, right. If
1: you live in New York and you're claiming residency in New York, but your child goes to school in New Jersey, that's a little suspect. Or in another state or even another country, because I get asked right. that too hey, can I claim my kid who's in DR? And I'm like, you know, I've to tell you the, the stipulation.
0: So plan. sometimes auditing, like, don't, it's not that don't serious. Don't freak out. Don't it's freak not out. that
1: serious. They're just doing But the, just call tax focused and. Absolutely. And we'll get you through it. We'll let you know what you need. Now, audits for a business, on the other hand, those can get a little complicated.
0: Uh So if you're a business owner, you get audited.
1: One of the biggest myths is that people do not need receipts. They think that bank statement is going to carry them through. That's not true. In an audit situation, you do need to show physical receipts.
0: Okay. Receipts like?
1: Like the actual receipt, like...
0: Like the business of receipts transactions. Wow. If
1: you went to a deli and you charged ten dollars, wow you would ideally need a ten dollar receipt.
0: So how long should you keep receipts? You need to
1: keep receipts at least three to seven years. Okay.
0: That's a big gap.
1: Three to seven years. It depends on the amount that you're charging because some receipts and how are they expensed are depreciated over the life. So let's say you buy a computer has a useful life of five years, you know, you could be audited for any one of those five years and you know, three years after that. So
0: when so like when I do my taxes, right? Mm. You get this book with you, right? When you're done with your taxes yes. from your accountant or whatever. Yes. I'm not going to say, um, HR, I do want you to shoot with as me many over here. <laughs> <as possible. laughs> um, how long do we have to keep these books? Because these things, like, you know what? I have a one bedroom, Miguel. It's, it's I, like I
1: buy three years as well. Three least. years, yes. and
0: then we can shred them and send them on their way. Absolutely, okay.
1: You All right. Digital it. copy is also
0: good. Digital yeah, copy, digital copy is, is great. The physical paper and it's a like a Absolutely. Yeah. What is a benefit to going to a private accounting firm as opposed to one of these companies that come around? You know, um, what are they called? Jackson Hewitt, TurboTax,
1: H and R Block. Okay, blah. like the seasonal people. Seasonal. Okay, so why so, is it better
0: uh, to come to you? Or a company like yours that's there all the time.
1: So we don't disappear during the summer, during the off season. My office is always available. I'm typically there Monday through Fridays, even during the summer. I may cut down to four hours. I mean, so four days a week. Um, but typically someone's always available and we can handle various tax issues, not just income tax. So a lot of those places, first of all, will only focus on income tax. Won't do business tax, won't do sales tax, won't do audits won't do offer compromises. They, they just do like the bread and butter income tax that's very easy and systematic to handle.
0: Right. So at least we know that we can always
1: knock on your door all oh, year
0: with our Absolutely. grievances. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm
1: always here. Yeah. Oh, easy to find. I make myself easy to find.
0: Yes. And then... Um do you prefer like a phone calculator or like the big calculator like the old school calculator the
1: big calculator you like that do
0: you like press the buttons aggressively when you're like with like the paper rolling out I actually
1: do that because you know what when I was young and I first started doing accounting at a Jackson Huey I saw how mesmerized people were by that sound like yeah like yeah so people were mesmerized by that and I was like that is the sound of money.
0: I could imagine. Like, that did you calculate. like those movies, like um, those old school movies, where the guy's like in that room full of money and he has a machine with the green visor? Yeah. Did that, you always that. want to be that guy? No, I, didn't. I thought I was. Oh my gosh! Get that. you a green visor. Oh, yeah. Your hat is green in the bottom.
1: I think I'm, I always saw myself as like cooler than that.
0: You are a cool accountant. Cool. Cool. Like, shout out to the accountants out there. But like, you're Thank an you. accountant with swag. You know. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You make it fun. You definitely make it fun. So Mm -hmm. where can we find out about Tax Focus um, and find out about your services? Do you have a website, social media?
1: So my website is taxfocuscollab.com. Social media, taxfocus underscore collab. Miguel Matos is... uh, Tax Focus is also my Instagram name. Okay. And I'm always in the neighborhood.
0: Right. So um, now another thing I want to lead into... I don't think people know this. You and I are colleagues. Yes. So Miguel and I both work for the Bronx Chamber of Commerce. Right. Shout out to Lisa
1: and Team Bronx Chamber, Darry, all of them. Yep. We really love it. Do you want to speak a little bit about this? So, yeah. So summers, I, although I do taxes, accounting, and bookkeeping all year long, it does get, I do have a lot of downtime during the summer. So last summer... I saw an opening at the Bronx Chamber because I was a member of the Bronx Chambers um, for a restaurant specialist. And I was like, wow, I used to own a restaurant. I am also have time during the summer. Let me join. So that's what I did.
0: Right. And I think with your experience owning businesses, you provide like an amazing service to our businesses here in the Bronx.
1: Yep. So Lisa and the team there at the Bronx Chamber have allowed me to just go door to door during the summer when I have slow time offering my expertise to small businesses in the Bronx. That's something that I have grown a passion to because to inspire other entrepreneurs and help guide them through the journey and the struggles that I've myself been through is just so rewarding on other levels that's beyond money. And that's why I
0: believe you're so successful in this because you meet these business owners on a on a level because you connect with them and connection is very important
1: absolutely even
0: with business and Mm -hmm. it's, it's all about connection sometimes so um just wanted to shout that out and if there's any small businesses listening right now um you know they can become a member we would love that right
1: A member of the Bronx Chamber? Of the Bronx Chamber, yes. Absolutely. The Bronx Chamber is always looking for members that want to come in, network, and take advantage of the resources we have.
0: Right. There's amazing benefits. So you guys should definitely check that out.
1: Yep.
0: So um, now you work here and um, you must go to some businesses in our area.
1: Yes. So So
0: shout them out. Where you
1: go? uh, Up here in Riverdale? Riverdale, Kingsbridge by your
0: office. Just shout them out. So
1: I've been working at a few businesses. I've been up here in in Riverdale saying hello to people, letting them know what we have available. Palace of Japan passed by them last year. Uh, But this year I've been focused on the South Bronx because there's just so much need down there. Right. Uh, And they really need help getting their voice Heard.
0: And nobody better than you mm, yeah, to do so that, to help I
1: do I that. organize them, created a merchants association, the 138th Street Merchants Collective, as it's known. Um, and we've been around for one month and we're going to hit the ground running. I hope I can help them set up some good habits uh, as well as start to get recognized within the neighborhood so then that way they can get take advantage of all these programs and government monies that are that's
0: awesome i cannot wait to see how that unfolds it's going to be super successful but where does miguel like to get a slice of pizza where do you where do you go here
1: where do i go to get a slice of pizza Hmm. Uh, Salvatore's the soho you like Salvatore's? okay i would oh that's a whole pie though you
0: like you eat the whole pie yeah the Whole pie, yeah. Oh my yeah, god, I'm
1: with, you know, we'll
0: oh, you and your wife. I'm like thinking of you eating a whole pie for lunch.
1: No, no, not that. Nope.
0: And you do love, I know you do love yourself some yo burger.
1: Yeah, I was actually just at yo burger.
0: You were just at yo yeah, burger. Yeah,
1: I had to get something to eat before I got here. So oh, awesome, that's awesome. One of my favorite spots,
0: yeah. So, um, thank you so much for joining. Anything you want to add?
1: No, not right now. Just everyone, uh, like I said in the beginning, it's best to have a proactive approach when it comes to your taxes and finances. So get out there, speak to your accountants, hit me up if you want to have a talk. Uh, make sure we get take advantage of anything possible for next year
0: awesome so just do your plug one more time so where can we find
1: you so i am tax focused i'm miguel matos i've been in designated by the irs as an enrolled agent since 2016 an independent tax practitioner and you could find me at 3898 sedwick avenue here in the north bronx
0: all right thank you so much for coming miguel until next time community Well, friends, that wraps up another episode of the Four Bronx Community Podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, email me today at laurafourbronx at gmail.com. Join us next time.